With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome back to A Pot of Their Own. This is episode 13. I am Allison McCaig, and I am joined, as always, by my co-hosts, Linda Surovich. Hi, Linda. Hey, Allison. And Maggie Wiggin. Hi, Maggie. Hi, Allison. So, I left the country on Thursday, and... I can't believe you came back willingly. I know. And I came back late last night, and I was like... Excuse me, what happened with the Mets while I was gone? Like, it's just, I leave for four days and everything just, like, imploded. I I don't even have, like, I spent an entire car ride, an entire eight-hour car ride just, like, processing this information, basically. <laughs> you're not allowed to leave the country anymore. Apparently Yeah, not. yeah, you're stuck with us. Um, yeah, what happened? I mean, uh, what didn't happen, what I guess, is, is the better question. This was... This is just like one of the most peak Mets 48 hours I've ever witnessed. And like I watched Has Lobby air live. Yeah. Yeah. So I- for some of our younger, younger <laughs> listeners, um, in the middle of 2009, Omar Minaya was holding a press conference about how Tony Bernazard tore his shirt off and tried to fight a bunch of minor <laughs> leaguers, which like now you see where I'm going with this. Um, so in the middle of this press conference, um, he accuses at the time beat writer Adam Rubin of trying to lobby for his job. But in a true Ar- Omar Minaya fashion, he said it. You has lobby for my job. And that just stuck. So that was so I watched that press press conference live. And even I am like, wow, this is a train wreck. Yeah, I yeah. think I think someone tweeted Tim Healy has lobby. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I forget who that was, but somebody definitely did tweet that. Sorry that you I forgot who, we, who it was. I. I think I said like Mets level has lobby or something like <laughs> the 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 parallels are evident. I was talking to my dad on the phone today about this and he was talking about how this is like 19 like early 1990s Mets level with like the like like trying to spray yeah, reporters the only thing with was bleach. Missing was a bleach pen. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> like like, I was like, oh, my God. So to recap for our listeners, in case, like me, you are out of the country or if you've been living under a rock somehow and bless your soul if you have, please mm-hmm. crawl back under there because you're about to be hit with a doozy. Um, so since I left on Thursday, the Mets have fired their pitching coach and replaced him with a man who is 82,000 years old, um, 82 years old. It was actually. also apparently like more. Um, progressive than anyone else on the Mets coaching staff which you know people who would know about those yeah. things cool um, and his picture is in black and white on the <laughs> Mets website 
That's Somebody fabulous. found that on Twitter today. <laughs> That's fabulous. Uh, so they did that, um, you know, for whatever, like, meaningless gesture that is. They did that. Um, they fired the bullpen coach as well, which I know that the bullpen's been bad, but the bullpen, that's not the bullpen coach's fault. Like the bullpen coach's job is literally to just answer the phone and be like, you, sir, you warm up, please. Like it's not, it's (laughs) nothing to do with anything, but they did that to make the fan base feel good, I guess, and replaced him with the dude who used to be the bullpen coach that they fired previously. So cool. Then... Um, another Jake start was blown by the bullpen, um, a combination of, you know, the bullpen being ineffective and a questionable managerial decision by Mickey Calloway because Seth Lugo, by all accounts, clearly did not have it. And Mickey Calloway pushed him to a second inning. And he, the predictable result is that he gave up a three run homer to Javier Baez. And they blew the game. And then after the game, the Beats were understandably trying to ask Mickey Calloway about why he didn't use Edwin Diaz in this situation. And Mickey Calloway was, you know, understandably frustrated because he's getting his orders from on high and this is not his fault to a certain extent. Um, So Mickey Calloway is getting frustrated and more frustrated and being like, the answer's the same. The answer's the same. I'm not using him because we can't for more than four for more than three outs. And then... In the aftermath of that, um, in the clubhouse, after the press conference or after the postgame presser, um, Tim Healy of Newsday said, see you tomorrow, Mickey, which apparently he took to mean like sarcastically, I guess. Like he took it the wrong way and thought that Tim Healy was being like sarcastic about like his job status. And so he just lost his entire shit, basically, and cursed him out. Um, and Jason Vargas got involved and came over and threatened him basically and had to be restrained by two other players, two or three other players. Mm-hmm. Um, so Noah Syndergaard coming in with the save. Yeah. Which a good thing it was him too. You need big people. Yeah. Like if, if we're trying to break up a fight, we're trying to get Thor or Pete in between the two guys. Or Ramos or Ramos. Or, or Wilson Ramos. Like we've got Even some Gomez. dudes who don't want to face down on our team because Gomez is a big guy too it was Gomez and Syndergaard like you're not getting through them and it's just like Jason Vargas of all people like he just looks like a swampy dad I like (laughs) well also like I would just like to say I was considering liking him last week it was very I was like you know what just when we were liking he's got a little a little pizzazz and now I'm like no I do not like you you fight people yeah you're you're mean there's a difference between attitude and like you know like like swagger attitude and like i'll fight dudes over nothing like this is you know (laughs) this is a podcast where we like to talk about social justice this goes back to toxic masculinity in sports everyone yeah mickey calloway and jason vargas flipping their lids and fighting dudes over saying see you tomorrow and getting all macho about it is are things that do not entertain nor impress me. <laughs> no. So that was like, you know, a PR disaster. And then the next day, they hold a press conference to deal with it. The Mets first issued a statement. They were like, we're going to issue a statement. And I literally made a joke on Twitter about it. I like logged on to Twitter.com for like five minutes in Canada specifically to make this joke because it was hilarious. They were like, we're going to issue a statement. I was like, I bet it's the same statement from when Mr. Met flipped somebody off because it's basically like the generic, we apologize for the the inappropriate actions of this employee. We do not condone this. They keep that template handy we are dealing with this 
matter internally. And they literally released a statement that was almost word for word the exact same statement. <laughs> so that <laughs> happened. And then they were like, we're going to have a press conference. Mickey Calloway is in Philadelphia. We're going to like talk about it. And so like you think there's going to be like consequences or something. No, they- but you also knew right then he wasn't being fired. Right. Like, yep. Right. No, he's still there. He's still there. So, you know, they have the press conference. Brody Van Wagenen says, like, not much of anything as usual and kind of says some platitudes about, you know, inappropriate actions and, you know, stuff. <laughs> and then, like, Mickey Calway basically, like, compares himself to Billy Martin, which was, like, wild to me. I was like, what are you doing? <laughs> Billy Martin, like, again, for our younger listeners, he he was a super bad dude. I think like, he's like an asshole. Yeah. He, he like assault somebody and like yes. drive drunk, I think were all things that yeah. I, if you're looking to justify your possibly overly aggressive actions, but Billy Martin is not the comp you'd be looking for. No, yeah, you like don't want to into... the same yeah, you don't want to be mentioned in the same breath as billy martin he got into like actual fist fights with people and was a raging drunk and like and and mickey calloway is basically like we have passion for the game i'm a like and he's like comparing himself to him and i'm like that's not that doesn't make this better that makes this like exponentially worse what are you doing so he like basically like compares himself to billy martin doesn't really apologize and jason vargas says like one sentence and also doesn't seem very apologetic about anything mickey calloway's apology Apologies was basically I'm sorry your feelings got hurt like yeah like well, his, his apology was so unapologetic that yes that he had to have a follow-up press conference to clarify <laughs> that no really I am sorry because he hadn't actually said it the first time like how how does that happen well he apologized that it was a distraction not that his actions were wrong that it was a distraction for the team like yeah. no I'm trying to I'm trying to feel trying to feel the human empathy for for Mickey in this situation, especially given the other news of that evening, which is that at least on one occasion and a couple of the beats were saying definitely more than one um, Brody has has like directed in game managing while watching the game on TV. Yeah. Um, And that is like the most like like I don't want to say emasculating because it shouldn't be about um, masculine versus not, but like it's how like condescending and undercutting and disrespectful and just like, ugh, I would be miserable too. I still wouldn't try to fight poor little Tim Healy who is like nobody's problem. Right. <laughs> just trying to do his freaking job. And like, I get, and again, trying to feel human empathy for Mickey Calloway. I get why he's frustrated that he just has to give the same canned answer over and over mm-hmm. because it comes from above him. He has no control over it. But, and and also I understand it from the perspective of, you know, I have been no friend of or ally of the New York media in the past, believe me. Their treatment of Matt Harvey, for example, like all sorts of other crap that they've done. The New York media is a circus, and it is often a circus that they create. And I will not pretend that that is not true. And they think very highly of themselves in a self-important way. Um, but and that yet doesn't they provide mean... little to no actual oversight over what the team does, right? And and that does, but that doesn't mean that they deserve to be accosted for just trying to do their job. <laughs> like I, Alex Cora weighed in 
I believe it was Alex Corrin. He said that they asked him the same question nine times about Edwin Diaz in the press conference. Like, nine is a lot. It is a so lot, I, but he's yeah, not so answering the question. No. But also, he can't answer the question because yeah. management doesn't want him to answer the question. Or he can't answer it in a different way because then that would make them look bad or something. Right. But so nine is a lot. So like I said, I we said we I do get Mickey's frustration. It was a bad loss. You know, he was, I guess, in his mind, bombarded by the same question nine different times. So I get it. But you still have to be a professional. Like we've all had bad days at work. We all want to scream at somebody. But you do it. You go in the bathroom and you scream. You don't take it out on the first person who says have a good night or see you tomorrow you go home and you have a stiff drink and you process your freaking feelings like what is it with these people with these people and not being able to like process emotions properly like like I get the frustration everybody would feel frustrated in that situation but that is not a constructive way to to channel that frustration whatsoever and I'm just like this is not a perfect fix but please America let your children cry yeah. If yeah, your for kid real. loses a little league game and is crying, don't it's okay. don't shout at him to not cry. Like encourage him to feel better about it, you know, to process but like I kind of feel like if people could cry a little more openly, they wouldn't feel the need to channel all of this anger into like anger. Yeah. 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 Into it comes out in physical violence. Or threats of physical violence in this case. There wasn't any actual violence luckily, but threats of physical violence which is like just so over the top and ridiculous so like the result of this is you know the Mets are a complete circus again and their mismanagement from top to bottom is in the headlines all over the place again they're constantly the laughing stock of the league and after said press conference they went out and they got absolutely thrashed by a division rival when they're just barely hanging on the edges of contention and the Phillies had completely like gone into free fall they had lost seven straight games mm-hmm. and they go- and they th- and the Phillies absolutely thrashed them and like so it's kind of like you know if if you want these sorts of things these sorts of stories to go away the only thing that makes them go away is winning yeah well, the Mets don't seem to be doing that no and it just it shows you just how involved ownership is like it wouldn't have happened. Like, you, and it makes you realize just how much Sandy, I think, covered for them because he was a lot better at his job than I think Brody is. Like, Brody's just an actor, in my opinion. Yeah. They give Brody him a, seems so out of his depth on yeah. everything. Like, you could put Michael B. Jordan in Brody's position and it would be no different. He's given a script. He's given a cast. And then he just recites the lines and that's it. And it's the same with Mickey. You're just reciting the lines that have been given to you. Because when Brody was hired, he said all the right things. He was charming. He he came across as confident. And now that's totally gone. Like the the confident Brody is long gone. You look at those. You look at the press conference from yesterday. He he barely spoke. He you know said platitudes and eh, that was that. So it's like who's running the ship? Who's in charge? Apparently, nobody communicates to each other or they overstep when they do communicate, like texting from home saying, take Jacob DeGrom out of the game. So it's just um, it's an embarrassment. It's a disgrace that this happened. 
and that nobody apologized for it. Um, you know, and I can choose to be another fan, a fan of another team, but have they no like pride in their job? Like you're the laughing stock of the league. Brett Anderson tweeted, oh, I had a bad day, but at least I'm not Mickey Calloway. He's a pitcher on the A's, on the Oakland A's, and he's laughing at you. And nobody cares about that. Where's your pride? This is your reputation. This is your job. And nobody cares. That's what it seems like to me. Yeah. Well, and it seems to me also that, like, so it's kind of an open secret that, like, the Wilpons run the entire show. And and you're right. Like, where's the pride Especially because in a lot of ways they seem to have a real um, almost obsession with like, you know, signing somebody who's famous, even mm-hmm. if it's not good anymore. And like, oh, no, can't ever trade with the Yankees because, you know, God like, it's a weird sort of like dick swinging thing, except they don't have a dick to swing. And I just feel like that's a mismatch. Well, yeah. and the other thing to me that's obvious, too, is they did not give a crap about those surveys. Those surveys were a marketing ploy to get butts in the seats because they knew fans would jump at the chance to spew about ownership. But nothing's changed since then. Have they said, we've read those surveys? We've heard you. We're going to look to make changes. We know you're unhappy. Morale's bad. We hear you. No, it was to get butts in seats and for people to spend money in the stadium. Yep. Yep. It's and nothing's going to change. Nothing is ever going to change as long as these owners own this team. And it's, you know, like, it, it's it's so frustrating to me as a fan because I can put up with the losing, you know, like I've put yeah. up with plenty of losing. <laughs> Been a Mets fan my whole it's life. My whole life, yeah. <laughs> put up with plenty of losing, but be, but as you know, as a fan, I I know as a diehard, there is at least something, one small thing or two small things to take joy out of in every season, even if the rest of it is all shit. Like last year, it was Jake Sayung season. This year, it's like Pete Alonso's story. Jeff McNeil doing really well. Jake turning it around again. Michael Conforto having a really solid year. Like there are things to be excited about on this team, even if they don't make the playoffs, even if they end up in fourth place yet again. But when this type of shit comes around every year, that sucks the joy out of everything about being yep. a fan. It sucks the joy out of the whole experience because you're just reminded that not only are we losing, but it's going to be like this forever because it's the pervasive culture of the whole organization. And, and I also don't, beg, you know, it like, also brings up the question of like with Alonzo having a like slam dunk rookie of the year season and Conforto busting out and Jeff McNeil being a freaking like superstar. Um, how are they not in contention? Like, how bad is everything else that this incredibly talented young core is just being wasted? You should be able to stumble ass backwards into something a la 2015. Like, you should be able to do that, especially in this trash fire division. And the core of this team is more talented than the core of the 2015 team. Oh, yes. I agree with that. I agree, too, because they only had their their pitching in 2015 and then they had to wait for Cespedes to get any type of offense. John Mayberry was hitting cleanup. Oh my god. That's Twice. not true of this team. That's not true of this team. This team Darryl scores Siciliani runs. Terrell Siciliani was on that team. This this lineup is far 
more potent than that one was before Cespedes. And I would say like in a lot of ways after Cespedes too. Once everyone came back healthy in that 2015 lineup plus Cespedes, then we've got a competition. But you know, that during the like really really dark periods of 2015, like things seemed pretty much as bad as they seem now. But yeah. you know, I don't feel like there's any chance that a 2015 thing can happen with this team. And also, like, I'm embarrassed. I'm embarrassed it to sucks. say I'm a Mets fan. Like, I could, like, you, you can kind of play off the lovable losers, losers. Like, yeah, you know, not our year, whatever, because that's our whole life, basically. But this year, it's it's a travesty what they've done. And well, that's what kills me is there's no communication from ownership. Absolutely none. They're like, they're, they've been... There's no accountability there for basically decades now, and we're just the we're just supposed to deal with it. I I don't I don't accept that. I mean, I'm gonna have to, but it doesn't sit well with me. Yeah, and it's kind of like it's one of those things where I made a tweet about this, and I basically said, you know, through all the losing, through all the everything of what I know about the Will Ponds already. Because, like, none of this stuff, even though this is a new incident, new specific incident, none of this stuff that we, like, that is being written about about the Will Ponds is new information. Like, we knew that this that these are some of the worst owners in all of sports. Mm-hmm. Even though I knew that, even though I knew everything I know about the Mets, even with all the losing, my fandom was never really tested, like, seriously tested until the Jose Reyes stuff when yeah. they brought him back. Oof. Like, that was the first time where I was like, I don't know if I can do this anymore. Like, this is, like, my, these are my fundamental values. And I, like, sat with myself for a while. I made a choice. And I said, I am not going to let one man rob this thing I love from me. I'm not going to do it. And I'm not going to give him that power over me. And I'm sitting here thinking about this and making the same internal choice with myself about this stuff. Because I'm like, this is also like something that seriously tests a fandom. Like, how are we supposed, how can I do this? How can we do this anymore? Like, I think Jose Reyes was the beginning. And then now it's just like that, that, that was the crack in the foundation. And now it's like, do, can I root for the Mariners? Like, now it's easier for growing up. The Mets were basically my only option. They were the only ones on TV. You know, they were the local team. Now that's not the case anymore. I can watch Rockies games if I want to. I can watch Mariners games if I want to. I can follow I can follow them on Twitter. And the Rockies Twitter is a lot better than the Mets Twitter. So, like, they're fun. And so just the fact that I'm considering this, there has to be others like that, too. And that's and this also goes back to the all-star game voting. Why wasn't Pete in the top three? He's in a big market. He's having a fabulous year, but the fans are apathetic. When you're tweeting, vote Pete for the all-star game while, you know, Seth Lugo is getting shellacked while Mickey Callaway's mouthing off to reporters, fans probably aren't going to be motivated to vote for Pete Alonso in the all-star game. Which is why he has to do giveaways yeah, no, to get people to vote for him. Yeah. Yeah. And it's and like I mean look, I'm going to bed early most nights. You know, I'll get my like I'll get my three or four innings in and then like I know where I know what the story is after that. I'm 
you know, the writing is always on the wall. It's always going to be the bullpen. Yeah. Um, and I just, you know, drift away. And sometimes I'm not even starting the game these days because, you know, there's lots of other stuff to do. Yeah. Well, and also, well, you know, Brody was all, you know, this we're going to build a team we can be proud of. I ask you, Brody, are you proud of this team? Yeah. It's a, it's a good question. Because uh, yeah. I'm sure not. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. It's 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 just so it's so frustrating and I'm sitting here thinking I have to make the same choice now I have to decide whether I'm gonna I'm gonna give the Wilpons that power over me because I don't like the idea of giving them that power over me I don't like the idea of letting the Wilpons take this thing I love from me robbing Mm -hmm. the joy of this from me but it's hard not to it's hard not to um and the problem is is with Jose Reyes I at least, you know, even though they they brought him back way more times than they should have, not just once, multiple times, I knew there was an end in sight at least. You know, his career was going to end at some point. Um, but the Wilpons, like, they're owning the team for, like, the next generation. Like, how long are they going to own the team? They're never going to be forced to sell. Nope. This is the way it's going to be for many years from now. So it's harder when I don't see an end in sight for it. I can tune out during Reyes at bats for a couple years while he's on the team. But I can't I can't ignore this for 20 more years. <laughs> what am I supposed to do? Like it's just it's I'm kind of at a loss. Like yeah. I'm at a loss. Like this is <sighs> I mean, this isn't new stuff, but it's just, like, every time it comes up, I'm reminded that, like, why why do I actually put myself through this? (laughs) It's demoralizing. Yeah. Well, I was tweeting back and forth with with Sarah from um, uh, Bleak Cubby Blue, and she was, uh, like, as someone, (laughs) like, I was like, the Cubs, you know, you must have thought they were never going to win. I'm like, how did you get through it? Because I think I'm at that point where I genuinely think the Mets are never going to win. And she was like, you know, the Cubs said there are tough times, too. Like, they did refuse to pay Maddox. And she mentioned a couple other things. And she was like, but it gets better. I'm like, I'm not sure it does. Oh, yeah, I'm, I, I legit think it won't. Because what's going to change? And I'm also at the point where, um, you know, the people who bring me joy, like Pete and Jake... Like, this organization doesn't deserve them already to just say, you know, let them go. <laughs> See what you can get for them. But then, you know, people argue, like, we deserve to see them play every day, even if the organization doesn't. But I fe- genuinely feel bad for them. Yeah. Me too. And there's poor Jake having to make a statement on behalf of the team. After they after they blow a game, his game that he pitches very well in, they blow it. Then his manager and his teammate get into it with the with a reporter, and then he has to come out and make a statement, which he volunteered for, which I give him a lot of credit for. Yeah, still, he's like, the grown up. Yeah, he's yeah, the right? only grown up in the room. Yeah, Jake is legit the only grown up in the room. <laughs> Like, I mean, that, that probably took a lot for him. I would be pissed if they blew a game for me and just sit and stew about it. But you know what? He, to his credit. Oh, look he, at that. He was pissed and didn't try to fight anybody. What an oh, interesting concept. Huh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Huh, but so I will say, like, 
I think at this point we kind of know what the proportion of good and bad is going to be with the Mets because there's always going to be the great fun guy to watch and then there's always going to be like the the falling into it ass backwards 2015 season and we just kind of have to think like is that is that enough I don't know. I mean, for me, yeah, probably like with the level of intensity I have to devote in my life to following baseball, like that's enough, but not by a lot. Yeah. 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 I was talking to someone about this recently and it was, it was someone who, you know, used to be an intense fan and kind of just like dropped off because of a lot of this bullshit. And they were telling me, you know, when you have as much passion as you have, it never goes away. It just gets channeled to something else instead. Hmm. Um, yeah. And that made me think a lot about, you know, about that. Because, like, that was a really, you know, I thought that that was a really good point. Like, even if, you know, I end up, like, dropping off of, like, the Mets a little bit, which I'm not saying I will yet, but if that ends up happening, like, that it's not like that passion will go away. It will just be rechanneled in another way. And it's also not like it'll be rechanneled forever. You right. know, it's it's something that we I mean, I think that's one of the things that I really love about have about just having baseball around is that it's always around. Like yeah. I can always, you know, no matter how kind of distracted I am or disillusioned, you know, it's there for me to kind of re connect with when I want it but I wish I wanted it all the time yeah yeah Yeah, I miss that like I miss the joy of 2015 and it was it was like it was the unexpectedness of it that made it so special and but now even kind of looking back on it I don't want to let it get tarnished considering what went wrong with Cespedes what went wrong with David Wright what went wrong with Matt Harvey I don't want want it gone and yet it's it seems like everything turns to to dust in this organization and I don't know how to how to fix it and hold on to it. Eat Arby's. Exactly. <laughs> like really. Um yeah. but yeah, one of the we will we will like wrap up this like really depressing Mets segment. I mean, I know I know people have said we're kinda negative on the podcast. It's really hard not to be negative when shit like this happens. But the Mets suck. <laughs> The Mets. Um, but we will wrap it up on a high note. Like I said, there are still things to take joy in in every season. And I mentioned Pete Alonso, um, and he is obviously one of the bright, bright spots about the 2019 season. And one of the few things the Mets did right, by the way, this year <laughs> was keeping it was promoting him to the big leagues from day one. Um, but yeah, so Pete broke uh, Stra- uh, Daryl Strawberry's single season rookie home run record before the All Star break, which is he did it like what 77 games or some such. Yeah, something it's close like that, which is freaking incredible. Um, and he's already broken the most um home runs by a national league rookie before the all-star break record ever single season and Um, still has like two plus weeks to go until the all-star break yeah so it's yeah it's really really special so what we're witnessing from pete alonzo you know kind of like what we witnessed from jacob Degrom last year it's something truly special so if there's like one thing to keep you going during this these trying times it's pete dingers (laughs) yes basically (laughs) 
<laughs> hopefully they're group dongs. Hopefully more group dongs from Pete. More group dongs. God knows the bullpen needs it. <laughs> For real. <laughs> yeah, because apparently they just, uh, both benches just cleared again. Wait, really? Yep. In our game oh, right now against the Phillies. Oh my God, Gabe Kepler was ejected by yeah. Joe West? <laughs> yep. This is, this is like oh, wait, no, serious Mad Libs right now. No, yeah, just Gabe Kapler got ejected, yeah. LOL. Bye, Gabe. Rub some coconut oil in it. (laughs) Hashtag yikes. Yeah, but it's the Mets bullpen again. Oh, boy. Well, it is what it is. You know, stuff happens. Yep. Bullpen happens. Usually to the Mets. Yep. Bullpen happens. (laughs) Bullpen happens. I like that. Hashtag bullpen happens. Should we name that? Should we name our show this week? Bullpen happens, probably. Yes. Um. All right. So when we get back, um, we you know this this whole Mets debacle got us thinking a lot about you know consequences and accountability and suspensions. So we're going to talk a lot about um, umpires and suspensions and that whole process and how it seems like there's not really consistency in how the rules are applied. So stay tuned for that. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. And we are back. Uh, welcome back to A Pot of Their Own, episode 13. This week, we are going to talk about suspensions um, handed down by umpires. Um, there's been a or lot of... by the league overall, too. Cause yes. They're... Yeah. Yeah, yes. since both Vargas and Callaway have not been suspended. LB said they were looking into it, but nothing so far. Yeah. So with the Mets' latest debacle and potential consequences on the part of Major League Baseball... We uh, we got thinking about, you know, suspensions in general handed down by baseball and consequences and accountability and how these things don't seem to be consistent depending on what type of player you are. Um, so recently, um, Manny Machado had another sort of incident, we'll call it, I guess, where he was arguing balls and strikes with the umpire. Um, got ejected from the game for doing so, as most players do. That's not the part that's inconsistent. If you argue balls and strikes for the umpire, you're probably going to get ejected from the game. Um, After he was ejected, as, you know, many players and managers do, he, you know, got his money's worth since he was already ejected, you know, kind of got in the umpire's face, tossed his bat angrily to the side, and then, you know, walked away. The reaction on Twitter to this, like, I didn't see it when it aired. And I saw the reaction on Twitter, and I thought he, like, punched a dude in the face or something, like, egregiously bad based on I mean, how I'm, everyone I'm willing to the say f- that he shouldn't throw that bat anymore. Sure, like, absolutely Throwing equipment is bad. But when it, the way it fits into the larger landscape of consequences for the league, it just doesn't make sense. Yeah, Exactly. Um, so everyone lost their shit over that. Um, and the umpires union, like, (laughs) wrote a really bizarre tweet about it. So this is really the thing that's, like, wild about the whole thing. Because, like, they've never really done this for anybody else, as far as I know. They, like, made a really, really weird tweet about how, like, we take workplace violence very seriously and... 
like Manny Hashtag Machado's make an example of yeah Manny Machado's actions and they were and they tweeted all these like weird ass hashtags and I was like this is yeah, like, it was like 80% hashtags it, it was, was hashtag make an example of hashtag like embarrassment tantrum i think was one of yo, them yo tantrum yeah hashtag repeat offender was one of them like uh i oh. should i should actually bring up the tweet it's like which like wild. i will also say you know one of the things that shows up with with kind of really um skewed proportionality on suspensions and stuff is the idea of like reputation playing a factor yes and basically, the umps just sort of said the quiet part out loud in identifying Manny Machado as somebody they have decided is like a problem child. And that's not like that's not a good situation for them to be in. No, you're supposed to be impartial no matter who it is. Like if you if you're going to do it for Manny Machado, you need to do it for Pete Alonso, too. I mean, Arenado had had argued i believe the same game it was um and it was the exact same game with the exact same umpire yep and like granted so the argument i'm sh- i'm sure the umpires were like well arnado didn't throw his bat it's like well arnado also wasn't even ejected like that's why yeah. manny machado was mad and justifiably so given that two different players based largely on a persona that has kind of been assigned to them by, by the media. and media um we're just treated incredibly different for largely similar reactions. Okay, yeah. I have all the hashtags. Yeah, okay, yeah, let's yeah. hear the I hashtags. Too. Okay, buckle Go. up. <laughs> hashtag disappointed. Hashtag lead by example. Hashtag not appreciated. Hashtag violence. Hashtag temper tantrum. Hashtag inaction. Hashtag not tolerated. Hashtag make an example of. Hashtag one game suspension. Hashtag repeat offender. Hashtag nonsense. <laughs> I think, like talk about embarrassing i'm embarrassed yeah. for them every time yeah, every time i read it i have a new favorite hashtag for a while my favorite was hashtag make an example of and hashtag repeat offender those were my favorites for a while but i think this time you like hearing you read it out loud i think my favorite one is hashtag not appreciated <laughs> hashtag nonsense is good too <laughs> And I will read the the text of the tweet because it's pretty epic, too. Manny Machado received a one-game suspension for contact with an umpire over balls and strikes and violently, in all caps, throwing his bat against the backstop with absolutely no regard for anyone's safety. Violence in the workplace is not tolerated, and offenders are dealt with severely and even made examples of for the good of its employees as well as the company itself. Is this truly what MLB wants to teach our youth? And so it's just like a complete like dramatization of what actually happened. Like, obviously I agree. We, Manny Machado should not have thrown the bat. That was bad. He shouldn't have done it. But like using like violently in all caps and talking about workplace violence that like these without regard for anyone's safety, he tossed the bat aside where no one was standing. Like he didn't throw his bat at anybody. And, and if we want to have a zero tolerance policy on bat throwing, fine. But then how did Azdrubal Cabrera get suspended say that. for games for throwing his batting gloves? Batting and gloves. Not even like, not like a, like a dual, like slapping the dude in the face <laughs> kind of throwing. Like the Simpsons glove slap. Although now I kind of wish he had. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh my god! Not like to hurt somebody, but just because that would be kind of like that would be really fancy to just go up and like. (laughs) I take issue with you, sir. (laughs) I say pistols at dawn. (laughs) I bite my thumb at you, sir. (laughs) Pistols at dawn is a two-game suspension. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, but it's just yeah. So it's like I don't know, like exactly. It's exactly what we were saying. It's the the league. They made this tweet, which they've, like, never done about any other player, like, about Manny Machado, because Manny Machado has a certain reputation, and they've decided that he's the whipping boy for this stuff. Like, it's not because what he did is particularly egregious compared to what other players have done. Like, I feel like if it was Bryce Harper, he would probably get the same treatment, too, because it is based on reputation. But... At the same time, like, umpires are supposed to be impartial. You can't go in here with your biases and your preconceived notions. It's, well, you know, you're supposed to treat everybody fairly on the baseball field, you would hope. Or is he not going to give him an extra strike call because I don't like you now? Well, yeah, and that already happens, you know, in, in terms yeah. of, like, the, the strike zone that great pitchers versus mediocre pitchers get. But, then you know, I mean, you can argue that, you know, Umpires have to kind of figure out things like ejections right on the spot, but the league has no such argument. Like there's no immediate time pressure on them to like snap to a conclusion. And the fact that they have so little consistency on their own guidelines in terms of like, sometimes you get suspended, a pitcher will get suspended for hitting a batter. Sometimes not. Sometimes it just has to brush them. Sometimes it's just like a brush back pitch and they get suspended. Sometimes not. Like it's, there's no consistency in, in the rules nor in how they're applied. Like there's, there's nothing like, I can't even say that the rules aren't applied consistently because there aren't really very clear rules. And it's just, I think it kind of like leaves the, the umpires hanging a bit too, because they kind of have their in the moment reaction and then MLB will sort of either follow it up or just kind of let him hang. And it's just a weird, it's just a weird situation. I wonder like, why not have better guidelines? Well, the issue too is also the umpires. There's no accountability. There's no transparency. So you have no clue what goes on behind closed doors is there a union that strong that like can they that they like yeah bully MLB? Pretty strong. yeah i guess they are <laughs> it's a strong well, so here's also the thing about umpires too is that like the vast majority of them are really good at their job and they all get paid terribly and treated terribly and like that should change like i would say like give them all raises right now in exchange for having real, real consequences for, for poor performance and for um, overreach of authority or whatever. I mean, in a lot of ways, that's poor performance too. Like being a big old baby about stuff is is a failure of performance. Yeah, and they kind of and they kind of allow the fun police to take over a lot because another thing the suspensions are not consistent on is uh bat flips <laughs> and mm-hmm. how that is very selectively applied to who we get mad at about that stuff you know hint yeah. non-white players <laughs> yeah 
poor Tim Anderson has been has been getting it all, all year, and he's been like, you know what? I'll do it even more now. <laughs> Which is the appropriate response, by the way. It is. You don't like it? Strike me out next time. Yep. I loved the um the Max Muncie go get it out of the ocean. That was amazing. <laughs> and uh, people have pointed out that. Uh, Madison Baumgartner also stares at his home run, so calm it down, Madison. <laughs> <sighs> of course. And he also, does. he also pimps his strikeouts, too, so mm, you yeah. might want to take a seat on that one, Madison. Right. Exactly. Like, you know, don't don't dish it if you can't take it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Although, didn't Granky just hit a home run yesterday? I'm not sure. I mean, he I- hits a lot of them. Yeah, I feel like he. I think he hit it off Kershaw yesterday. Wow, well done. Yeah, Greinke. I will never forgive Greinke because he bat flipped off Jake in the NLCS. That's true. He did. Anyway, I thought it was a home run, and that took years off my life when it was just a a fly ball that Curtis Granderson caught. It's true. I (laughs) forgot about that. Series took years off my life. It really did. I was like, oh my god. There for real goes. for real oh my god that series yeah, i will never forgive greggy for that sorry <laughs> so yeah i mean we kind of had an extra long mets rant this week but it got us thinking about you know accountability and how these things are you know selectively applied depending on the player's reputation and often the player's skin color um and so these are things that are not going to go away anytime soon um, because I don't see change on the horizon anytime soon regarding that stuff. Um, well, and, and tying it in just really briefly to the to the Mets part, which I think we kind of hinted at a bit, is that like Jason Vargas basically lunged at a reporter. Like he didn't actively assault him, but the implication was that he would have done so in seconds. Was he not physically restrained? And how is that? How is that? nothing compared to like throwing your batting gloves right yeah to me there's more implied violence there because yeah. he actually showed more intent to harm than Manny Machado ever did well, and I don't see why it being on the field like they're still in the clubhouse they're still in the workplace like there that right. shouldn't be a that shouldn't be a strong demarcation when the issue at hand is like appropriate conduct at work but I also wonder if this goes into, like, Jason Vargas's reputation. Is he labeled as a good guy before this? When last year, was it last year? God, all the years are blending together. Maybe not. Maybe it was longer ago. But when Estrubo Cabrera got thrown out of his spring training game and he, like, took his sweet time moseying out of the ballpark, like, to show up the umpire. <laughs> so I wonder if that somehow also played into Estrubo's suspension like you're known to show up umpires so we're gonna more heavily suspend you than we would jason vargas who isn't deemed a repeat offender i guess but then that's coming down from mlb so if they're like reinforcing umps personal beefs with a guy then that's a whole other problem and and i I think it's quite possible that they are like yeah i wouldn't be shocked it's just it's really a bad look and MLB has a lot of problems that they are not trying to fix and a lot of non-problems that they are. And really, if they took like a couple of weeks to sit down and write out more cogent policies on this, it would it would be a big help. 
Yeah. Yeah. Agree. And, oh, yeah, there was that time, too, when, do you guys remember when Tom Hallion, like, stood on the plate and blocked Todd <gasps> Frazier when? Uh-oh. Yes. No, 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 no. I just totally forgot about that Todd Frazier thing. I thought <laughs> they were excited about the game. the game, and I was like, oh, yeah. did the Mets do a thing? No, of course they didn't. Yeah, I Sorry. So too. I'm sorry. Okay. Yeah, sorry. but yeah, Tom Hallion just like stood on the plate when Todd Frazier hit a home run and like stopped him from crossing Shouted the plate at him. because he was pissed that Todd Frazier like argued balls and strikes earlier in the game or something. <laughs> yes, like, no, this yeah, stuff think, is wild. Had, yeah, I think him and Frazier had a lot of beef. I think Frazier had called them out like a different game, like oh the umpires were bad today. Oh yeah, then- yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. That's right. So he carried it over into like a different game, even. Yeah, so they just. Proves they hold grudges. They totally do. They totally do. I mean, I get it. They're human, but it's still your job not to hold grudges. Yeah. So, you know, more on this in the future, I'm sure, since these things will continue to happen. The suspensions will continue to be somewhat arbitrary. Um, But, you know, when we get back, we will wrap things up as we always do with some happiness in the form of walk-off wins. So stay tuned for that. Ahoy Mets fans, it's Brian from Amazing Avenue Audio, the show with a quick news bulletin. My co-host Chris McShane recently released an album with his band The Los Hot Quesos. It's called Hot Queso and it is phenomenal. I had the pleasure of seeing these boys in the Bronx for the record release party on Saturday night and it was everything you want a rock and roll show to be. The album is so great. Go to hotquesos.com and pick it up digitally or on vinyl. I recommend the vinyl. Enjoy. Hot Queso. All right. Uh, We are back. So we will finish things out with walk-off wins as we do every week where each of us talks about what's making us happy this week, baseball-related or otherwise. So Maggie, what is your walk-off win for this week? Um, My walk-off win is that I want to issue a congratulations to... Inwood Little League for wrapping up a really wonderful, um, a really wonderful spring season. Uh, the the coaches were amazing, and Tommy had a wonderful time, and he learned a lot. Um, it was you know it was really hard for him at times because it's a kind of um, it's a kind of like doing lots of directions over and over again that just doesn't necessarily like click for him right away. But, um, everyone was so patient with him and he just, he had a really good time and the whole league was great. The parents were wonderful, super cute kids. Um, so congratulations to the rookies of Inwood little league and, um, see you next year. Yay. Yay, Inwood ten- Little League. Yeah. <laughs> I love when the little peewees play with their big helmets. <laughs> it's the best. <laughs> it kills me every time. <laughs> Recently, I was um, I was walking to um, a brewery in Baltimore, and I was walking from my car to the to the brewery, and the brewery is near this, like, um, this baseball field. And, like, there was some t-ball game going on while I was walking by, and it just made me so happy to just, like, watch a couple of, like, a couple of plays just to watch the little kids play t-ball. It, like, killed me. It's great. I know. They're so cute. It's so <laughs> pure. I know. <laughs> well, yay, Inwood Little League. So speaking of pure, Linda, what is your walk-off win for this week? Mine is 
kind of similar in that my niece finishes kindergarten this week. I can't believe she's going to be a first grader. I'm like, how did you get so old so fast? Like, to me, she's still a baby, but she's a kid. All the baby's gone. I know. She's a kid now. But, you know, she she did such a good job this year. She, you know, she adjusted really well to a whole new school, made new friends. So the teacher loved her. She knew, like, she could depend on her if there was, like, if they were ever doing group projects. She got wonderful report cards. And, yes, I'm going to gush because I'm a proud aunt. And um, she... She was just, you know, she me, she loves going to school every day, and you know, I'm a very proud aunt, and I wish she would stay small forever. But I'm also very happy that you know she's thriving and doing well. So, good job, Emily, and enjoy your summer. <laughs> Shout out to Emily, new first. Oh, Emily, grader. yes, yep, first grader now. Yeah. Um, so my walk-off win for this week is my trip to Toronto, um, which I alluded to earlier. Um, so, um, thankfully I was out of the country during all of this Mets stuff, which lessened the blow, I think a little bit, although I did kind of have to process it all at once once I came back, but you know, being out of the country for it was kind of something I'm thankful for. Um, so I took a trip, um, because I have, um, a brief little bit of time off between uh, finishing up graduate school and starting my new job in July. Um, I had some time to travel a little bit. So a really good friend of mine um, and I took a road trip up to Toronto to visit a, another very good friend of ours who is living there. Her husband has um, is a postdoc at University of Toronto. Um, and so they've been living there for the past like year and a half or so. Um, and I've always wanted to go because I've never been to Canada before. And I finally had the time to be able to go visit her. So my friend and I took a road trip up there. Um, it was a fantastic time. I just had such a great time. We did all the touristy things. We went up the CN Tower, which is the tallest, it used to be the tallest structure in the world before they built that thing in Dubai. Um, but it is still the tallest structure in the Western Hemisphere. Um, and so we climbed to the top of it. We got to see um, all of Toronto from a bird's eye view. It was awesome. Um, we went to the aquarium, which was great. I went to Steam Whistle Brewery, got to drink some local beers. Um, which was fabulous. We went to Scarborough Bluffs, which is like a nice hike. And then there's like a beach on Lake Ontario. So I got to put my feet in Lake Ontario, even though it was really cold. I wanted to say I did it. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And I got to take in a baseball game at a new stadium. I had never been to the Rogers Center before. Although if I want to sound like a local, I'm told it's still, they still all call it the Sky Dome. So um, I got to take in a game there. On the way up, I was, because we went the very first day, like we got there. And on the way up, it was raining. And so I was lamenting about how the baseball game was going to be canceled because it was raining. And then I was like, the Blue Jays play inside. Never mind. (laughs) Um, So even though it was raining out, we still got to see the Blue Jays. And it was really fun. They walked it off in the bottom of the 10th inning. So that was super fun. Got to see a rare Blue Jays win. So that was happy for them. We got to see, I got to see our old friend Hansel Robles pitch a scoreless inning for the Angels. Um, I got to see our old friend Wilfredo Tovar play for the Angels. Um, And I also got to see Shohei Otani take a pinch hit at bat. And I got to see Vlad Guerrero Jr. play, which was really cool, even though he had, like, actually kind of a terrible day. 
play at the plate and in the field. But, you know, I still got to see Vlad Vlad in real life, <laughs> which was cool. Um, and they walked it off, so that was fabulous. So, yeah, the whole trip was just so fantastic. I had such a great time, and I hadn't seen these friends that live up there in quite a while because it's really far, and so getting to reconnect with them was super nice. So, yeah, just a really great time in Canada. Um, Canadians are just as nice as you think they are. <laughs> so it was really, really great. And we wrapped things up with Niagara Falls, which was, of course, really really awesome to see um now did you see the canadian side or the new york side the canadian side okay yeah is there a better side yes the canadian side is apparently nicer than the new york side the canadian side is better (laughs) (laughs) true true that Um, is very true so yeah that was that was really cool too to get to see that it's like completely larger than life when you like are right up close to it it's amazing nature is so cool um so yeah it was just a fabulous trip all around um really great first experience in canada so shout out to my friends heather and pat for letting me stay with them thank you guys i am deeply grateful for letting me uh crash on your air mattress (laughs) um so thank you to my friends heather and pat um so yeah that um does it for us this week hopefully next week will be a less debacle-laden, depressing edition of a pod of their own. but I wouldn't hold my breath on that. You know, one can dream. We can. Um, in the meantime, you can go to AmazingAvenue.com, check out all of our content. We're still doing game recaps, even though the Mets lose most of them these days. Um, we're doing a bunch of um, analysis. I think Jarrett Seidler's Alonzo piece is finally going up, I think, tomorrow. Um, and we're doing, you know, reactions to all of the nonsense that's happening, et cetera, et cetera. So go to AmazingAvenue.com for all of your Mets-related content. You can follow Amazing Avenue on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Amazing Avenue. You can follow our show on Twitter at A Pod of Their Own. You can follow me on Twitter. I am at PhD. You can follow Linda on Twitter. Where are you, Linda? At Linda Service. And you can follow Maggie on Twitter. Where are you, Maggie? Uh oh. <laughs> did, did we lose Maggie? We, I guess we lost Maggie's <laughs> Skype connection. But Maggie is at Maggie162. <laughs> so you can follow Maggie on Twitter. Um, follow the show on Twitter. You can email us um, at aa.apodoftheirown at gmail.com. Um, the original music for this show, the intro and outro, is by Bunga. Let's go Mets, and don't forget, there is no crying in podcasting. See you next Wednesday.